You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say will be used against you. You are not listening. I want your job to be taken from you. A protest has turned violent at California, Berkeley. This is why we're fighting for the soul of America. You should be able to share ideas without fear of being fired from your job or shouted down. You are not to be heard. This is one of the few things one could say we have no precedent for in the United States. You have the right to remain silent. The only way we separate the good ideas from the bad ideas is to be free to say whatever we want about them. Anything you say will be used against Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host Matthew Perkovich and this is episode 267. Out now in theatres across the US is No Safe Spaces, a documentary that delves into the widespread and incredibly troubling problem of restrictions on free speech, identity politics and ideological warfare in college campuses across the United States. A sober and frightening look at how places of education and exploration have become a hotbed for the suppression of free speech. No Safe Spaces also proves to be an entertaining watch that utilizes the strengths of its figureheads Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager to charming and direct effect. Joining me now is the director of No Safe Spaces, Justin Falk. Justin, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. So to me... This documentary is a film that had to happen. I mean, these events have been building up for quite some time now. They've been very well documented across across traditional and digital media. And I was just wondering, Justin, on your end, how did you get involved with the process of this documentary? Um, Did you feel compelled to add your voice as a filmmaker to the debate surrounding these issues? Well, you are correct. This has been percolating for some time. Our timing of the film is is fortuitous, not 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 in a good way, not in the sense of these things happening, but in the sense that we were making this film at this time. We started out a little bit more broad, just in terms of making a film about what young people think, and we really saw this issue of suppression of speech and 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 just uh, this dangerous identity politics that was taking place around the country, popping up just about everywhere, and so it really focused our story as we were making it to, to really, um, really focus on these issues and, and show people, uh, what's really going on. I think a lot of people really don't know the extent of this problem. They hear about it a little bit offhand with, uh, stories that pop up here and there and they, they just kind of disregard it as, oh, that's just something happening over on college campuses somewhere, you know, with some, with crazy kids, kids, kids are always going to be crazy. They're always going to be, uh, pushing back and doing things. But uh, I think what we're seeing here is very different. We're seeing a a suppression of speech, a suppression of ideas that we've never really seen before in America. And also, I I should add, this is not just on college campuses. This has spread everywhere in society. It may have, um, in some ways, started on college campuses, but it is now everywhere in our culture. We see it with uh, comedians being shut down. We see it, uh, people in their places of work being fired for having opinions that didn't meet the, the dogma uh, of, of those around them. And so this is, a, this is a big problem. And our film really serves to try to open people's eyes and, and see this problem for what it is. 
And I have to add as well, it's not only an American issue because here in Australia we have a lot of incidences and, and debates surrounding the same um, uh, things that your film is talking about as well. So it's very much a global, especially in the Western world issue as well. Certainly, certainly, absolutely. Yeah, we obviously we focused our efforts on the states um, uh, and mostly, you know, focusing on the fact of how, how important free speech has been in this country. But free speech is, is, is you know, has to do with freedom in any any civilized um country around the world that values freedom um the things in this film would be applicable to the um figureheads of this film are adam carolla and dennis prager i mean you've got two very different people here um they come from different philosophical difference regarding politics and religion but when you put them together they work surprisingly uh well um and i think that's really a benefit to the film because if you take one of them away the film itself changes just so much i mean if it was just adam it could have been more comedic if it was just dennis it could have been just much more academic in, in its way so the mix together just works surprisingly well what do you think is it about them two as a partnership uh that works so well despite the obvious differences between the two which they which they also uh reference to multiple times in the documentary well, we have an interesting buddy movie here, and as you mentioned, they're very different. They have very different backgrounds, very different upbringings. They're very different people. Dennis brings a tremendous amount of insight. He's a very wise person and has an incredible amount of insight on all kinds of topics that have to do with politics and religion and relationships and everything else and everything in between. Adam has always been, one of, in my opinion, one of the funniest people um, in this country. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been a great comedian for a number of years, but he's also very insightful. And we sort of have this uh, uh, double-edged sword. We have this, we have this uh, combo of two people that can kind of come at an issue from a couple different ways. We can get people laughing first, and that tends to open people up to uh, arguments and, and ideas, if you can get uh, the comedy injected there. And so that's why we have Adam sort of giving us some laughs along the way. And then we have uh, Dennis coming along with some very, very big insights. And so the two working together has been really amazing. Uh, a lot of the, you know, the way this, this film came together was the fact that these two had become friends and were doing live events together, speaking events occasionally. And that's sort of the genesis of this film. That's how things came together was their relationship. And we just felt like they had a lot to say on this subject. Obviously, both of them make their living by speaking and 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 telling you know, uh, debating the issues and talking about ideas. So they're very relevant to the story. And, of course, they, they got shut down, too, early in our story, which is an interesting part of it. They, they actually became the story themselves. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, when it comes to things like referencing the film's title, safe spaces, trigger warnings, uh, universities, implementing new speech codes, um, I'm just really curious, is it the institution's is it the parents? Is it the teachers? Or is it the students themselves who really brought this stuff along? I mean, it's really kind of interesting just seeing the, the evolution of this stuff because to me it just seems like this stuff just came out of nowhere um, and really be, just had a really tight grip not only on uh, college life but outside of that as well. Um, where does it all kind of stem from, in your opinion, having looked at, the, at these um, subjects and, and ta- talked about it in length? Yeah, it's hard to diagnose this uh, down to one root cause. I don't think there is one root cause. I think it is a combination of things um, that have gotten us to where we are today uh, in, a, in an alarming fashion. You know, obviously, people talk a lot about helicopter parenting and how we have this generation of young people that are very, very fragile and don't want to hear ideas that they disagree with. 
we also have seen how things have transpired on the campus for, for a number of years in terms of an ideological bent that's been very one-sided and very, um, I guess you could just call it indoctrination, very, very focused on teaching people the what they believe to be the right way of thinking instead of being open to a lot of different ideas. So you can kind of combo a lot of these different, I think, causes together to see how we got where we are. Um, the one thing that I think is the most alarming is, you know, in, in the past, young people have always been the ones to be supportive of freedom of speech. Yeah. And that's, I think, the dangerous thing that, that we're facing today is a lot of these young people are the ones that are shouting uh, for people to be shut down and, and for voices not to be heard. And so this is kind of the unprecedented part of what we're dealing with right now. Um, in the past, it was the administrations that would shut people down or not allow certain certain types of speech. But now we're looking, the issue's very different, and it's actually the, the young people. And so that's the alarming thing that we're facing today. Do you think also that 9-11 had a part to do with that as well? Because I know it's a thing that people say that everything changed after 9-11. Yeah. And I think what's really unique about that very tragic day is that for a brief moment after that it seemed everyone no matter who you were why your ideological political religious difference was you were together for a brief moment especially like looking from us in australia just looking at the united states it really seemed that way there was a united front there but then as soon as soon as that happened there there was like clear fault lines and ideological splits and then social media came and everything else um you know, the, the whole 9-11 theory in regards to where the differences really started to creep in and people became more in regards to activists, um, more activists kind of spurn from that. Do you reckon that's a, like a, a turning point there in a recent American history in regards to these issues? Yeah, I think there is a connection. I don't know about the activism part of it, but I do, I do think that there's a part of this that has to do with the whole safety and protection idea and mm. people want to be safe and protected. And, and 9-11 was unsettling for everybody. It was a moment when everybody was just blindsided in a moment, in, in, in a time when people felt that no nothing was safe anymore. And I think people were looking for answers or looking for a way to ensure that things like this wouldn't happen again. And you know, our film deals a lot, deals a lot with safety and protection and what's, you know, human nature in all of us of wanting to be safe, wanting to be protected versus this idea of liberty. And the two are, are they kind of, they, they, they pull against each other quite a bit. And actually Dennis Prager talks about this in the film that people don't necessarily yearn to be free. They, they learn to be protected. They, they learn to be safe yeah. and take care of. I think, 9-11 was very unsettling for a lot of people when people were looking for answers to say, hey, how do we protect ourselves? And um, Jordan Peterson at one part in our film talks about this and says, you know, the best thing to do is not to necessarily just uh, cover people in protection as if you could possibly figure out a, a, a way to ensure that, but actually to make them strong. And so in our film, you know, no safe spaces. There are no safe spaces when it comes to ideas. And, and in life, there really are no safe spaces. But the idea is... Can as human beings, can we be strong? Can we can we learn from each other? Can we debate ideas? Can we can we face the dangers, the real dangers that are in society, and and do so in an open way without giving up our liberties? And so I think there is a connection there when it comes to 9/11. But I think it has a lot to do more with uh, safety and protection and how it sort of molded these young people 
um, who have never really known a time other than than post nine eleven. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, your film delves into many different events that kind of shape the narrative that you're putting forward: the Lindsay Shepard case, the Brett Weinstein case, um, the events that led to the whole Jordan Peterson phenomenon. Um, how familiar were you with a lot of these cases going into the project? And if you were familiar with them afterwards, was there anything about these cases that you did not know about beforehand that really kind of left you uh, surprised and perhaps even shocked afterwards? Well, I think it's a great question, and thanks for asking it, because I had heard of these incidents. I think a lot of us that were following these issues would see these things pop up, and we'd sort of marvel at them from afar. When I heard about the Lindsay Shepard incident, I heard, uh, you know, the audio recording that she had recorded, and it just was, it was startling to me. And it really made, made us want to pursue this story. And the same thing with the, the incident at Evergreen State College with Brett Weinstein and his wife, Heather. Um, you know, seeing the reports and seeing the behavior of some of these students and what was going on was really shocking. But it wasn't until we got there and started talking to them that the full gravity of this hit, hit us. I mean, it kind of seemed at first to be kind of laughable and, and silly. But once we dug into it, once we met these people, once we started to unravel this story, it was just downright shocking, the depths of this and how, how dark it is and how oppressive it is and these things that happen to these people. And by the way, Lindsay Shepard, Brett Weinstein, these are not conservatives. These are not people that are being shut down because they are on the right or that they're conservative, too conservative in a very liberal place or a leftist place. These are, these are leftists. These are liberals that have been um, shut down. And so it was just fascinating to see what happens when you do, you, you, you do just the one wrong thing and they will come and try to basically eliminate you. Very startling. And so it wasn't until we really began, began to uncover the story that we realized how deep this, this stuff went, how, how dark the philosophy behind it was. And we hope that, again, like I mentioned earlier, we really hope that telling these stories is a true wake-up call to people. I, something that really startles me um, watching the movie, and we've had similar incidences here in Australia as well, is the aggression. The kind of like very scary scenes of mob rule, violence, um, masters protest, and watching the footage of, say, the uh, Milo, uh, Milo um, uh, riots at, at Berkeley and and in, in the whole Antifa thing as well, you know, like I said, we've had that stuff here as well in Australia, at campuses and at protests as well. Um, you were you covered some of these events. You guys were on the ground there, especially in regards to um, Ben Shapiro's speech at Berkeley. And it just seemed like there was like this really kind of palpable build-up that something was going to happen. Um, evidently, nothing did. I think a lot of people had wiser heads after the whole Milo incident. But when you were there on the ground, when you're covering these events, what's it like to be to be there at that time was there fear in the air or was it a case of hopefully people would just calm down and see that once ben starts talking and the whole thing is over there was nothing to be afraid of as well and it's funny because at the end of his speech he was pretty much like look it's finished nothing happened the world didn't burn it's all good nothing happened you guys need to calm down a bit is that something that that you kind of uh uh saw as well when you were down there uh, covering these events yeah, the, the, yes, the Ben Shapiro speech at Berkeley was, was fascinating, and I got to travel with Ben. Our team got to travel with Ben to that event. Now, of course, the Milo riot had happened uh, six or eight months prior to this event. I think the difference between those two events is 
the police did not do anything to step in and prevent damage and violence during the Milo event. During the Ben event, they did. They, they basically realized they didn't want to re- repeat performance here. And I think it did prevent a lot of destruction and violence and things like that just by their mere presence. Yep. There was a lot of tension in the air. There was a lot of tension. And there were a number of arrests, and there was a little bit of violence. There was, there was a, one girl that got... Um, got assaulted and got hurt very badly um, during that, uh, during the Ben Shapiro, the lead up to that, you know, outside the uh, event. And so I I think it was, I I think uh, that the police came in full force to make sure that things didn't get out of hand. I I do think it was effective and and especially in the sense of allowing him to talk. But the strange thing for me as a filmmaker is here I was on an American very prestigious United States you know, college campus. And it felt like we were traveling into the Iraqi green zone mm. with the amount of security and the cement barricades and the way they would wind us around and, and brought us down into the basement of the building before we actually even emerged from the vehicle. So it was a, it was a strange thing to be happening you know, on a college campus in the United States for it to feel mm. that way. Um, we had police in riot gear. We had, it, it was, it was astounding. And just simply for a guy to give a simple speech. Now I'll give, I will add one little interesting thing here. You know, Ben Shapiro had been at Berkeley the, the year prior and there was basically nothing. I mean, he had, he had maybe one bodyguard with him. And so something changed during that time. And, uh, you know, and I asked Ben at one point, I'm like, what do you think of all this? I mean, all these people, basically going crazy over you. And he says, this, this, this was, isn't about me at all. This is just the time we're living in. It could be, could have been anybody. But, mm. um, like I said, he, he had been there a year before with little incidents, no incident at all. And given a speech and here he was a year later and it required, uh, $600,000 worth of security just for him to come and give a simple speech to people that wanted to hear what he had to say. And, um, so something definitely changed in that time. And, 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 you know, that's where we are today. And, um, you know, thank goodness the police actually did their job that day and, and really made sure that um, the peace was kept. But it was, yeah, it was unsettling to, to think that that would happen on, on a U.S. You know, college campus. They would need that kind of security. Um, I, of course, watched this film on screen. Uh, this film is showing in cinemas, though, in the States. And what I really found really surprising uh, in a really good way in regards to watching your movie is the cinematic aspect of it. I mean, you guys did come in with a small budget. A lot of it was crowdfunded. Um, but the film is very impressive in look. And I think uh, that's really uh, 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 what, you're, uh, what you bring to the table in regards to as a filmmaker that really worked there. Um, when you saw... You, so you have the material, you have everything in front of you, you have to craft a movie now. Um, what was your approach to how you wanted... This, how you wanted this film to be delivered. For example, the use of animated segments. Was that something that was talked about before? Is that, or is that something that you brought to the table that you knew that was a really kind of cool way to bring across some of the ideas um, in the film? Well, first of all, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate that, that you mentioned that. And we did work hard to give this film a level of cinema that people would actually want to go to a movie theater and pay for, you know, Fifteen dollars or whatever. You, what do you call it down there? Do you call it quid or is that British? No, that's um, that's British, and uh, <laughs> it is British. And here, we, so we will pay maybe for a cinema ticket anywhere between eighteen to like twenty something bucks down here as well. Okay, so you call it bucks. Okay, yeah. so we're, we're we're united around the word bucks. So yeah, for somebody to come and and pay that kind of money. 
to watch a movie, they go, they're going to want a certain level of cinematic experience and, yes. and not just, you know, to make a, you know, rather than just a documentary with talking heads that people watch on Netflix or somewhere else. Uh-huh. We really knew that we needed to raise the bar when it came to the cinema value. And all along, we were looking for opportunities to do that. So that's why we added some animated sequences. That's why we have reenactments and a number of other things to basically bring people along on the journey. And and ultimately, uh, it tells a better story. Um, It allows people to see the issue from a number of different ways. We use some humor. And humor always opens people up, people up, and, and puts you know allows people to put their guard down a little bit. So that's why we did this. We wanted to break it up. We wanted to keep the story moving along and make it entertaining. And one way to do that was to add these things um, uh, to make it more cinematic. So I appreciate you mentioned that, and we did work hard on that. It, ultimately, we had so much material to work with, and uh, it, it's, there's a lot of hard decisions I have to make. You know, there's the term. You have to kill some babies, and you know it's a it's a weird term, but basically you have to you have to get rid of things in the edit that you've really fallen in love with, and yeah. and that's a hard process to go through. But we went through it. I mean, we we've, we've made this film over the course of two and a half years, and so it was always a, an editing and refining process along the way. And ultimately, at the end of it, I think we got the best possible. We told the best possible story that we could with what we had, um, but it was definitely um, it took a lot of a lot of collaboration out of a great team. And, and one of the reasons that it, it looks so good and, and, and is so entertaining is because I got to work with such a great group of collaborators, um, whether on the, the storytelling side of it um, and figuring out the story and, and, or even just the crew of the people that we used to shoot the movie, really talented people. So this film is the result of a collaboration of, of many, many people. And I think that's what um, gives it its cinematic quality on screen. Um, is there? Um, I feel that there's potential for further, say, sequels or stories, whether they be in cinema or online or, or TV serial, what or what have you, in regards to a lot of the issues brought up in the film. For example, you guys talk about uh, outside of the whole issue revolving college campuses. You also talk a bit about social media. I think you can make a whole movie about that. You can talk about um, um, comedy, state of comedy these days. You can make a whole thing about that. You can make a whole thing about say the entertainment industry and their part in the whole kind of uh, uh, almost a propagandizing of some of these ideas as well. Is there talks any way whatsoever of maybe expanding the No Safe Spaces uh, universe, if you will, to go uh, into uh, dive, do deep dives into different um, uh, subjects revolving these issues and presenting them um, uh, in that way? Well, there's there's always been talks about things like that, of that nature. We're going to see where this all leads us. Um, we did want this movie to st- sort of stand on its own mm-hmm. as a very important cultural marker and for people to reference back to it and say, you know, refer to it when it when it comes to a lot of these issues we're facing in our society today. Um, we're certainly open to that. We're certainly open to exploring more um, in our film. In, in this particular film, we do touch on a few things. And I know, you know, in a 90 minute film, you can only do so much um and so we do touch on things like um you know tech and social media and basically what's unfolding in society at large and um it would be nice for somebody to come along whether it's us or anybody else to do a deep dive into this sort of thing but um i think i think the purpose of this film was to sound the initial alarm and i guess kick the door in on this on these issues and and really make people aware of them and where we go from here we'll see um obviously we need 
the film to do well at the box office. That's usually what tends to lead to to more you know follow ups and things like that. If a film does well um, at the box office, we're really hoping for that. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Our goal right now is to make this film as successful as we can we can make it and have as many people see it as possible. And then we'll see what uh, where the discussion goes from there. Um, you guys did open up in a limited capacity. Um, early receipts have been very encouraging, and that's why you are now expanding. Um, how does it feel to be able to have that option now that you can go out into further territories and have your films presented in different places uh, um, in, in the States? Well, it feels great. You know, you go into a box and make a movie for like two and a half years, three years, and you hope you're making something good and you hope people will respond to it. And our plan, because of, you mentioned earlier, our limited budget, um, the fact that we did crowdfund this movie, which was great. This movie was, would not have been made without people, supporters, giving us, you know, small donations, um, 20, 50 bucks to allow us to have the, the budget that we had to go out and make this. So we've had, the limited release was, was our strategy to, get it out there, see if we could do well, and then if it had the support, we could expand to, to more and more places. And we were able to do that. We had a good release in Phoenix and San Diego and Denver and a few other places, and there seems to be a lot of interest and demand for this movie, which is why we're expanding nationwide this weekend, December. Well, actually, it opens today, but uh, December, the weekend of December 6th, all across the country in different markets. So we're really hoping that that, that momentum continues but yeah, it's very exciting that we actually have this opportunity to do this because it is what we are hoping for and planning for. But ultimately, like you know, we're we're free market guys. The market will determine um, what will happen with this film, and um, we're just we're just happy that it's out there and available uh, right now for people to see. Any plans at the moment in regards to expanding outside of North America? I know a lot of people in Australia, for example, will love to check this film out. Absolutely, yeah, we we, we definitely. There's a lot of things that we want to do with this film, including international release in different different areas. I think there'll be probably more demand for it in a place like Australia and Canada and some others than than others. But um, we definitely plan on doing that. Um, that's sort of the next step of things. Another another thing we'd like to do is a, an actual college campus tour mm -hmm. with the film. So we'll be working on that. That'll probably uh, follow up later, maybe possibly in the spring. And we like to uh, explore a lot of different options for people to see the film, um, not just in the United States movie theaters. Well, that's so excellent to hear. And for everyone out there, especially my listeners in the U.S., no safe spaces expanding now across the country. Go find out where um, your uh, local cinema is. You can go to nosafespaces.com, and that's got all types of info on there in regards to which cities and which cinemas will be showing the film. And also, I can highly recommend the Facebook page for No Safe Spaces. Uh, Justin and I were talking um, off here before about how I found a lot of the information regarding the film um, and followed the progress of the making of the film through that Facebook page is very well run, uh, updated almost uh, pretty much like seems like every half day. Um, there's a lot of information there um, going out, so I can recommend that as well. Uh, Justin, folk, I thank you very much for talking to me today. Congratulations to you on the documentary. Um, I really do think the, the subject um, in this film and the film itself is so very important um, in the overall debate surrounding these issues. So I thank you very much for directing the film and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Matt. And just to just to reiterate the important the urge, I guess the urgency is we're coming out between Frozen and Star Wars, and so there's this 
uh, small window that we live in. So we really hope people make it out to the theater this weekend to see it and support the film. Um, because, you know, we're going up against a bunch of juggernauts. But if we can get word of mouth going and get people out to the theater, we can do well. We can kind of send a, a shockwave around the country. So please make it out if you can. Uh, like, like you mentioned, nosafespaces.com. There's a link for theaters. You can find out where it's playing and you can buy tickets. So thanks so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, thank you.